All right. We're live. We're live, baby. Yeah. What's up, Bobo? How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. <laughs> doing fantastic. Thanks for doing this with me. Of I course. appreciate it. Yeah. Um, just to start from the beginning, do you remember how we met? Because I do. Camp? No. No. Where? We met at Viola Pigeon's oh, open mic night. That's right. Long time ago. But didn't I know you before that? I think we saw each other here and there at like random events. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Why did I think you went to camp Shining Light? I don't know. Okay. I always thought you. I knew you from there. Really? Yeah. Do you know about that camp? No. Okay. <laughs> Wait, Shining Light? Yeah. It sounds so familiar. But it's like, a, it, as as American as it sounds, it's pretty Armenian. It's um this, my dad's church, actually. My dad wasn't the priest then when I went, but um, in Montebello, the Armenian uh, contingency, the Armenian community there, they have a camp that they do every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to do it in Malibu, and now I think they do it in like like Fraser Park. I don't know where it is now, but I went for a year or two. For some reason, I thought you were from that camp. No. But then I just, I guess I just saw you at stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Vah- you know, Vahe was my roommate in I college. Did, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Where'd you guys go to? Was it CSUN or no? No. Cal Poly? UC San Diego. Oh, shit. Yeah. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Vahe was, uh, I knew Vahe from AYF days before, and then we were both going at the same time, and he's like, hey, man, like, it would be great if we could be roommates. I don't know anybody there. And then he ended up just being, like, the social butterfly and meeting everybody. So it was perfect for us to live. And we also had another roommate, Sevag, who I knew from childhood as well. So it was kind of like a nice, very dramaless, like, you know, existence that we had for two years Sounds beautiful. It was great. Most roommate situations aren't dramaless <laughs> yeah. and aren't as smooth. Yeah, it's pretty chill. <laughs> like, we watched Lost together and Breaking Bad, and, like, they didn't smoke as much weed as I did. Mm-hmm. They were um, more into their studies, but, uh, yeah, like, you know, we would just chill most days. And San Diego's are also a really cool place to go to school. I love San Diego. It's so cool. Yeah. It's just a chill vibe all around. Yeah. It kind of like seeps into your vibe. It really does. Yeah. It really does. And the burritos help. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> like so much burritos and carne asada fries. I think I gained like 20 pounds just being a student there. Sounds like college. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. college. Exactly. Stress <laughs> eating. We were just talking about. Yeah. 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 So. Awesome. So that's, yeah, that's how we met. And ever since, at the time, you were doing... Yeah. You played a Bob Marley cover. I did. I remember I played that. a Redemption, Redemption song. Redemption song. And I was like, damn, this guy's good. Yeah, glad yeah. you liked it, man. I was like, you actually, like, not to toot your horn or anything, but you actually made me rethink how cool that song is. Oh, it's such a good song. Yeah, yeah. It's so deep. Yeah, it's really good. People don't give Bob as much credit as he deserves. Yeah, right? I mean, they do. Don't get me of wrong. Course. He's kind of overinflated thing. But like now, it's just become like, oh, you smoke weed, you must like Bob Marley. Yeah. But when the dude was really, really deep, and his lyrics were super meaningful. Yeah. Did you see that documentary that guy did? Um, what's his name? The guy who did The Last King of Scotland. He's like an Irish filmmaker. Um, a few years ago, it came out on like four twenty, just to add to the. But it wasn't. It was more about Bob Marley, the man, you know. Yeah, and not yeah. so much the 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 weed icon. Yeah, yeah, and the father and the brother and the son and all that stuff, you know. I got to check that out. He was a very complicated person. What was his it? Do you remember was, what it was called? It was just called Bob Marley, I think. Um, his dad was what? You his were, dad was white. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. A lot of his wives were too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wives? I thought he only had one wife, oh, but yeah. had many like, 
you know, maybe not wives, baby mamas, a lot know? of baby mamas. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of and, models. Too. And his, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And his like wife, wife, you know, was like, he's Bob, you know, I had to let him, you know, he's Bob spread his seed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you know, she understood who he was as a figure, which I mean, that's to me as you know, uh, that's like true love, you know, when you know, kind of like you have to let somebody go you know how they say sorry that's my garage it's all good yeah sorry (laughs) (laughs) we're above my garage right now in my studio (laughs) yeah you kind of he kind of became guru level in some way i don't know if you've seen wild wild country of course Um, yeah yeah i feel like in a way that's that's the only way i can in my mind to justify Mm. him doing that while having a wife and his wife being okay with it because Osho was also doing that shit. They didn't really talk about it in the documentary. They didn't go into that stuff, but he was definitely fucking around. Yeah, 100%. I mean, 90 Rolls Royces and then a bunch of women who just want to sleep with you. It's just like living the life for a while, but can't sustain that. You can't. I mean, I kept asking myself when I saw that film is like, what is it about this guy's philosophy that attracts people so much? Because... Really, all he was doing was combining commerce with spirituality. Right. Have you read any of his stuff? His actual writings? Yeah. No. Have you? In college, like, I don't know, a while, like six, seven years ago, like mm-hmm. after college, I was reading a lot of his books because my friend told me about him and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. I read like a couple paragraphs. So I was like, this resonates with me. Mm-hmm. So I bought a couple of his books on intimacy, on maturity, on spirituality. And the dude... Like he resonated with me. I really liked huh. his writing. And when I started watching Wild Wild Country, I didn't know he was Osho. I didn't oh, know Rajneesh, wow. whatever his Paramara, name. Paramara, yeah. yeah, I didn't know the Bhagwan oh, wow. was Osho because he didn't call himself Osho until well, oh, way later on. So did it blow your mind? You're yeah, like, I was like, fuck. I didn't know he had nine. Bro, it's this guy. It all comes together. <laughs> nine Rolls Royces banging yeah. people's wives. I was like, you motherfucker. I actually like. Was he banging people's wives? That's what I heard. Oh, wow. I don't know. I could wow. be wrong. Don't, I don't want to spread any misinformation. But. I mean, anything that guy tells you, you should probably take seriously. Yeah. He knows what the fuck he's doing he's a legit dude with that beard yeah. you know yeah and the robe yeah yeah damn <laughs> speaking of beards i shaved right before this interview <laughs> and why did you shave uh i was this is always happens to me when i'm trimming my beard or once every five times i trim my beard is i fuck up and shave the whole thing off yeah because you can't walk around with a weird beard yeah last time it happened it was like right before a date or something i oh. was like it always happens when you're rushing and actually ballsy enough i showed up to that date with a mustache which i never have a mustache that's giant and she balls. was into it wow dude. yeah talk about spinning the roulette wheel i know <laughs> sideburns and a mustache and then my brother saw me and was like you need to shave that mustache only, only one of us can have a mustache because we look too similar so it's like we have to distinguish ourselves that's true yeah, right you guys do look very alike yeah we get that a lot it's like are you twins like all the time at parties so we stopped going to parties together pretty much (laughs) what's the age difference two years two and a half years okay that yeah that kind of makes sense and the older you get the closer you guys seem in age pretty much yeah yeah. the older he gets right the older both of us get yeah yeah for sure that's what happens with age the gaps become smaller yeah when you're in middle school two years is like you're on a different planet right but (laughs) but i just saw another documentary from the producers of wild wild country Mm. it's called you'd like it it's called three three identical strangers Mm. and it's about three triplets triplets that 
didn't know each other until they were like in college. Holy shit. And uh, two of them are still around. I think one passed away um, young. And so they sort of look different and they're identical twins. Whoa. So in the interviews now, like one is chubby, one is a little, you know, skinny or buff or whatever. And they just, they look different. They don't look like they're siblings anymore or wow. they don't even look like they would be twins. Wow. Yeah. They look like siblings for sure, but they, they don't look like identical siblings. That's interesting how environment and proximity to each other can affect that because they've done studies where like twins separated Mm -hmm. and not knowing of each other's existence end up being super similar. Well, that's what it was when they, when they got together, when they met, they were all similar or at least they appeared to be similar and they talked the same way and they had the same interests and similar taste in girls and food and that kind of a thing. Yeah. And it was like this sensational phenomenon when they all met, like it was all over the news and all that talk shows and stuff, but then showing the darker side of all that and the reason why they were separated Mm. and the reason why, they are, you know, the way that they are. And I don't want to spoil anything. Just right, watch right. it. But yeah. yeah, that just came to my mind. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. Because yeah. environment definitely does a lot. Yeah, and knowing of each other does a lot. Because yeah. when you know that they're like you, you kind right. of identity crisis kicks in and you're like, I got to be different. Uh-huh. Whether or not that's subconscious. I know, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's weird. Um, yeah, twins are weird. Triplets are weird. I used to work for <laughs> twins that were named Vacha and Vahe. And they were not identical, but they looked identical. I was like, wait, you guys are. But the only thing that was different about them was their voices huh. like a little bit. But they looked similar. They looked similar. Wow. And they were like, no, we're not identical. I'm like, bro, you're identical. You guys look like, exactly the same. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So what's been up with you, man? Not, not just working uh, on my art, working on this podcast, trying to find people to interview, trying to get all these different social projects off the ground so yeah. i can be self-employed and not have to work in a fucking right. office that's the goal did you get an email back from deepak chopra yet <laughs> i'm still waiting <laughs> still refreshing every minute god he's love like yes, yes yeah yes. he's funny yeah he, yeah have you heard him on a podcast before i've heard i think so. i've heard seen clips i've seen youtube clips of him saying shit like yeah. that <laughs> he sounds deep he's laughing at the cosmic joke yes <laughs> he's like god is a comedian universe smiles at yeah. us yeah <laughs> um cool man nice so that, yeah trying I'm to be all self about em- that yeah trying to be self-employed so i don't that. have to work in a fucking office yeah i did it for almost 10 years yeah. and it sucked the soul the creative mm-hmm. life completely out of me so i don't know how you did it for 10 years money yeah of That's course how. <laughs> <laughs> necessities getting married having kids getting married having that, a kid, that, yeah having a sure. girlfriend not yeah. living at home all yeah. of that made me need money but now yeah. that we're we planned properly mm-hmm. and my wife is kind of carrying us right now thank yeah. you thank you d i love you um yeah this allows me to pursue you know something where i can do yeah a job that i like yeah definitely that helps yeah my parents are carrying me right now technically but hey like, take advantage of it yes yeah I am. you I are am. and you're doing great that's what, that's why i reached out to you because you're one of the few people mm-hmm. i know in los angeles who's creative who's doing their shit and who appears to be killing it doing doing some cool stuff man i'm doing some stuff yeah i'm doing some stuff i've been really lucky i i i worked like the last sorry for the plane there's the plane don't worry about it the plane boss the plane the plane um (laughs) i spent the last year and a half until january working on a film that i'm proud of but i was an assistant on it i was an assistant editor and it was fine it was a film it's a film about joan jett it comes out next week What's or it this called? week it's called bad reputation 
so plugging that. Um, but also it made me realize that being in an office, even though I love editing, editing is my main thing that I do in filmmaking, even though I do it almost everything else, um, besides be in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it really made me hungry for shooting again. It made mm. me hungry for just opportunities again yeah, and being uncertain again because everything was so certain for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I was like, as soon as I get out, like, out of this job, I'm going to take a vacation and go to Europe or something. And then what happened was like, I think it was like February or yeah, February or March. Yeah. I went to South by Southwest um, just on a whim, like just to, I actually started this Instagram page called music minute mm-hmm. cause I love music documentaries and I've done a few in the past and I wanted to do a new, something new, something different. So I started doing this project when I was still unemployed and it kind of like led me, it gave me the courage to sort of like pursue filmmaking again. And like ever since then I've been making stuff for people or like working on my own things again. And it's been really fun. So I, I totally, I totally get the, you know, having a side project, having a hobby, it really, really helps uh, with the main drive. And it's the best feeling right there to get inspired again. Yeah. That fire that gets relit and you're like, Oh, I want to do so much dope shit. Yeah. Now I want to create it. Totally. Yeah, totally. And so music minute has been great. I mean, I have a few hundred followers. It's not much, but what's really cool about it is that it's opened a few doors with artists and with, um, just, just got me shoot. It got me shooting again. And then soon after that, I didn't get to go to Europe. I still haven't been to Europe. It's fine. Um, (laughs) I'll go eventually. But, um, and then after that, my friend asked me to go with him to Cuba. We went to Cuba and we shot a commercial. That was pretty fun. I was there for two whole weeks. Um, nice. That was literally right after Austin. So I got back. It was crazy. I I don't know how I did this, but I got back to LA stayed slept for a night. I think I went to a comedy show too. And then I, yeah, I shot that comedy show, uh, did photos for my friend. And then I flew to Cuba the next day. So, um, yeah. So, so any opportunity you get to work, you kind of just like dive in. That's what, I mean, being unemployed is the best thing for a filmmaker I for think. sure because it's like it really makes you or any artist it really makes you hungry like mm-hmm. you know if you limit yourself to i don't know if you limit yourself to a nine-to-five job you're not going to have that same opportunity you're i mean drained. your it, battery's it, done it, by the exactly the you're working for it's like duncan trussell said on joe rogan once he's like you're working for someone else you're not working for yourself yeah. so you're actually you're selling your time to somebody else exactly and if you're not getting a return that's you know whether it's financial compensation or developing yourself then it's a quick destination to like just misery yeah completely that's where i was man i didn't even realize it until i wasn't in the office environment anymore yeah after i let go there was got let go there was this rush of like oh i'm so glad i'm not doing this anymore yeah accompanied with a little bit of panic obviously but after a few weeks of not being in that environment i was just like fuck (laughs) that place was killing Mm -hmm. me man just the negativity and the toxicity Mm -hmm. the politics people kissing each other ass you can't really be yourself you have to like pretend to like things and people and it was just like you 
I didn't. I thought. I thought it was just me doing what I needed to do to make money. Yeah. Then when I wasn't in it anymore, I realized how what it was doing to my soul. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just fighting as hard as I can. Like you said, being unemployed puts a fire under your ass as a creative person to just be hungry for work. Yeah, and that's why I'm here right now. That's why I'm trying to do everything I possibly yeah. can to cool. avoid being in that situation. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a good feeling to work for yourself. It's stressful. It is. It's stressful as fuck sometimes. But and also, I was telling my brother this yesterday. I was like. You're going to lose money a little bit. Yeah. And that's fine because in the long term, it's not about money. You should make it about the work. Yeah. Because if the work is good, then people will see that. People will gravitate towards you and hire you and hire you for your vision and your Mm -hmm. creativity. And it's not about the image. Like, it's not about, like, people put such an emphasis these days on image and Instagram and followers and likes and all that bullshit. Yeah. And honestly, like, yeah, sure that'll get you maybe a sponsor to send you a free bottle of champagne or some, I don't know, even like a bottle of like makeup for women. Like I, I know a yeah. lot of friends I went to college with cause I studied communication. They ended up becoming Instagram models and Instagram influencers and stuff like that. And that's mm-hmm. all good. Like yeah. I'm very happy for them and they seem very happy as well. Yeah. But we were saying before, like running an Instagram page or, you know, yeah, being an influencer, it's a full-time job. 100%. You know, you really have to, you know, know what people like and um schedule photography sessions, all that kind of stuff and you really being a filmmaker in this day and age and I realized this cuz I was at an event the other day and I was thinking about this. I was like, what is being a filmmaker in the 21st century? Like it's really become something else. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for good and for bad, like for good, it's like we have access to cameras, we have access to equipment, we have access to computers. Are you kidding me? Like, I can have a backpack that's a film studio. That's what this is. Yeah, oh, exactly. I have a podcast studio in a bag. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Um, but with great power comes great responsibility, right? Like Spider Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so because of all that, um, you know everyone and their moms is a filmmaker now and and a podcaster and a podcaster and and it makes it more competitive for sure but then it also makes it harder to stand out because there's a lot of noise and it's overly saturated and you know filmmakers have become in a way i the way i see it is you remember how when we were growing up like people would always be like oh the struggling actor right yeah now it's like if we don't talk about that anymore it's the struggling filmmaker or the struggling podcaster. Anybody or the strug- creative. Anyone creative is f- struggling. Yeah. And how do you differentiate yourself? And my answer to that is be yourself. Because um, I was at a show the other day um, and Terry Crews went up on stage. Yeah. What's oh. randomly just showed up? Oh, well, the- he, he's <laughs> a big fan of these guys. And if you guys shout out to R plus R equals now, which is a band, a jazz band a jazz super group really with people like Terrace Martin and uh, Robert Glasper and uh, Derek Hodge who are like jazz geniuses. But um, Terry Cruz is a friend of theirs and he, he like has a little snippet on the album. So if you listen to R plus R equals now, that's literally how it's spelled with the symbols and everything on Spotify. If you listen to the album, there's like a little excerpt of Terry Cruz talking about creativity. I forget exactly what he says, but what he said the other night, um, which was a more long winded monologue was, like we've been told, we've been told this lie, um, as artists, as creatives that 
competition is necessary in order to make good art and that's not that's not it no struggle you know? is necessary emotion and and you know sure yeah but competition is the enemy of creativity is what he said and i i, I like i really took that to heart man it makes Cause, sense because it's like the moments where i've compared myself to other people and we've all done that right it's especially like, in this day and age when you're on instagram and stuff it's hard not to it's really hard and so so the the moral of the story is just be yourself sometimes it's okay to turn off your phone for a few hours and fucking yeah. sit read a book yeah or just you know, go for a walk or go bike for ride. a walk go jordan peterson has a really good quote on that he said compare yourself to who you were yesterday not who mm-hmm. someone else is today yeah and it's it's hard man it's like some mm-hmm. days especially when you see other people killing it and you want to be killing it yeah you know but yeah the healthiest thing mentally is to not look at any of that and just go like i did this yesterday yeah. i'm a little bit better today right and tomorrow i'm going to be a little bit better than who i am today right and just building on top of yourself because mm-hmm. I, I mean i'm guilty of it i get stuck in these zones where i'm like fuck why can't i create that or why can't i be yeah. that smart or think about that but that's the that's the part of the battle right. that's the part of the daily challenge it's all about i mean it's okay to still compare yourself to other people yeah but it's like there's a healthy dosage of that for you know, sure. Like you, like I idolize Quentin Tarantino. Same here. But a lot of us do. Yeah. But it's like, there's no way that I can be Tarantino cause I didn't have the same experience that he did, mm-hmm. but I can be a better version of myself and draw inspiration from what he's done. And like, just look at what he's done with like, there's this really cool video that I always come back to. It's like kill bill clips Mm -hmm. from the film but it's also like what they were inspired by Mm. and it's really it's it's, i think it's called um well there was a really cool documentary a few years ago or series on vimeo called everything is a remix Mm -hmm. you should check it out that sounds really cool um and this guy actually put together like this cool video of like kill bill and like the scenes that it stole from you know like because the whole movie is essentially homages it's all homages yeah yeah. but at the same time it's like he doesn't if you think about the film, like watch the film and then watch this and you're like, whoa, he's doing all these homages, but he's not like making them the thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you rip off somebody, like what is the thing? A uh, good artist steal or what is the saying? Um, I think the essence of it is that everybody, all artists steal from other artists. Don't really worry about it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like, it's like if you already have a base or if you have a good storyline and a good, like just a good film overall, a homage is like just icing on the cake. Like a trunk shot like Tarantino did where the camera's yeah. in the trunk. You can Every, do one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Everybody does that though. I don't want to do That's that. true. I guess he didn't really invent that. <laughs> no, but I'm saying everybody does that since Tarantino. Oh yeah. So it's like, sure. it's an easy out. But for me, it's like he, I think as a filmmaker, he reads between the lines really well. I mean, he's like a genius. Obviously. Tarantino does. Yeah. Give me but an example. He, what do you mean? He read, what, between lines? what I mean is like, there's always stuff happening that isn't the scene. Mm. Like for instance, I was watching Jackie Brown the other day and I've seen it like maybe, maybe half a dozen times. And I didn't realize like these beautiful close ups. like Samuel L. Jackson is talking to uh, Robert Forrester when he comes to like get the bail money for um, Chris Tucker's character and the close ups are gorgeous. And I'm like, I didn't think about these close ups at all before. And I'm just like, wow like what attention to detail you know mm. and it's like that stuff that's the thing is like him paul thomas anderson these are all my heroes like martin oh, scorsese so good yeah just amazing guys and like they all they all i think 
genius comes from like giving yourself time to fail. Yeah, hundred percent. Because like and recovering from it. Because some yeah. people just quit. Exactly. Like these guys have talked about failure a lot, and like they fail, they fail, they fail, but nobody hears about it. Nobody sees about it. Nobody reads an article about it. That's why Tarantino was so pissed when Hateful Eight leaked. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that. Yeah, that was a that was a big blow to him and his ego, and he has a big ego, but it was a blow to him, and he was just like, wow, and then he made the best of it. You know, he did a reading, and then he rewrote some of the film, but, you know. Well, what was really fucked is they put Star Wars over him at the theater that he pretty much designed the movie for. I was so sad. I was so pissed for that. And I think, I hope, fingers crossed, that he's building a 70 millimeter screening room right now. I hope so too. (laughs) Speaking of 70 millimeter, I just realized the other day, and I can't believe I never knew this, was how anamorphic works. Mm. The fact that if for any of you listening, the squeezing, the squeezing, yeah, yeah they basically they basically shoot on a really yeah. wide frame yep. and then squeeze it to go into yep. sixteen by nine or whatever the whatever well the final one. The way it's not sixteen by nine. It's no, it's not sixteen. Sixteen by nine is like ten eighty p, right, or four k. But they go even wider than that for most movies. So what it is is like, let's say you have like everybody knows like a, a thirty five millimeter right yeah like it's a square actually it's Mm. not really uh it's not wide right and then i always wondered that i was like why is it 35 millimeter but it's not wide like movies i thought movies were shot on 35 millimeter yeah and the genius of anamorphic or like widescreen or pan or whatever it was in the 60s the innovation was oh we don't need to make new film we just need to make new glass yeah and they made like a glass basically what it is is like you make they made a glass that squeezes more information onto the square. Yeah. And then while it's projected out, it's also de-squeezed. Yes. So that's the cool... Or, that's what gives yeah. it that cool effect on the sides when it's like a depth oh, of yeah. field shot and it's blurry yeah. in the background. Yeah. It just looks gorgeous. Yeah. I don't know who came up with that. Um, I don't know how they got the name anamorphic. I would love to read more about that, but I was looking into that recently because I'm thinking about getting anamorphic lenses i want to to do for my uh, gh5 all my favorite directors i realized yeah. shoot on film and yeah. they shoot anamorphic yeah. i was like fucking a no wonder i love visually well, see that's the thing is like they also have like a really good story so for sure it all starts with the story for sure you know i guess the reason why i like them so much is because they have the full package they have very great writing great direction yeah. great story yeah DP. the anamorphic is just again icing on the cake icing on the cake yeah. so it's um they actually, what's really cool about the Panasonic GH5, and the reason why I'm still, I still have it, because um, I, I was going to sell it. I was like thinking about it. I've been going back and forth on that for a while. I had basically a Canon 6D for the longest time I've had it. I shot my documentary Echoes of Survival on it. I love that camera, but it doesn't do 4K. And it, the 20 megapixel is kind of getting old a little bit and it's not as tack sharp and it doesn't focus as quickly as new cameras. So I got an a7 III, which is like the most popular camera right now. Like everybody and their moms bought one. And I think it's an okay camera. It's not amazing. It's not as amazing as some of the reviews out there. So don't really believe them. I actually saw a really cool review. I want to shout this guy out actually for his honesty. Um, yesterday, it was like a follow-up review mm. of his review. And he's like, you know what? It's not as good as I said it was, you know? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, good on you, man. Um, yeah, honesty for, is important. Yeah, honesty is super important. Um, his name is Maddie. Okay, I'm going to spell this for you guys. Maddie Hapoja. So it's M-A-T-T-I. Hapoja is H-A-A-P-O-J-A. Um, it's like this Canadian or European guy that moved to Canada. 
but he's like talking about how yeah you know it like doesn't you know it the codec and all that kind of stuff it really slowed down his system and all that stuff and i'm seeing that too you know i shot a video on it last week and i was like why is this slower than my gh5 footage codecs are important yeah super important and that's the main reason why i didn't stick with canon and so i sold my canon and i got an adapter to put my canon lenses on my sony um and the sony is actually a really great still camera it's just that the video it does 4k which is fine i'm just having a tough time with finding how it's going to fit into my workflow i really like shooting video with the gh5 and that's the thing is the gh5 doesn't do good photo at all Mm. in my opinion um i've done a couple photo shoots with it during the day that i've been happy with but for nighttime it's super noisy so um my main point was so the gh5 it's a micro four thirds so again we're talking about sensors and film stuff nerdy film stuff (laughs) so the 35 millimeter sensor is like let's say it's like this yeah um the micro okay so the the size of the sensor in the sony is actually the same it's full frame uh but it's digital it's not mirror it's Uh, mirrorless got it so that's what's able to make it so light and also you know so compact and all that stuff and actually the full frame sensor lets in more light than the gh5 because the gh5 sensor is like this small right it's micro four thirds better at night it's not better at night actually oh, okay. it's not better at night um the 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 a7iii is better at night but the thing with the gh5 and what makes it so tack sharp like tack sharp honestly the some of the footage i've gotten on there it's like amazing and wow. I, and also it's like much it's kind of smaller than the a7 and so like the other day i was shooting a show at the fonda and we weren't allowed to shoot video but guess what? I shot video the whole time. Uh, I like that. You can, you can you be know? sneaky because of the way the yeah. camera looks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And nobody asked any questions, you know, and backstage, you know, I was backstage with artists and stuff and nobody asked me any questions. So, um, basically the moral of the story is I was looking at this, also this guy, I'm going to shout him out too. Um, he's a, he's actually talked to, we talked a bunch on Instagram and stuff like that. But this, this dude is the only dude that I know that talks about anamorphic, when it comes to the GH5, like he's, he's sponsored by SLR magic. Sick. So SLR magic is a company that makes anamorphic lenses as well for the GH5. And they're one of the only companies that is experimenting with that stuff. Nice. Um, but what's cool is, so I'm, what I was trying to say is that the GH5 can do anamorphic, which is like, what? Like yeah, that's a nuts. $2,000 or $1,500 camera can do anamorphic. And what's really cool about it, it, it does 6k anamorphic, which means that, it shoots a 6K image, but then when it gets de-squeezed, it's 4K. 4K, yeah. Um, so Joshua Martin Studios, look up that guy. Joshua Martin Studios, um, based out of uh, Miami, Florida. Shout out to Joshua. He's a really dope dude, and he like he'll tell you on on YouTube if you look up his videos, like what his GH5 rig is to the T, and he'll tell you like why he shoots with the anamorphic lens. I mean, he's sponsored by them, so he's like you know not paid i don't think i think they pay him by giving him the lens for a few weeks and stuff so i'm trying to get on that level Um, (laughs) you will (laughs) but i'm just like damn like your footage looks amazing dude and he's got those lens flares he's got the you know he does a lot of like product stuff yeah yeah you know it's good it looks good i've tried shooting video on a dslr before on a canon and it Mm -hmm. didn't let me shoot like more than four gigs at a time it would like yeah that's another thing well it does like this thing where if you shoot for more than 15 20 minutes i think canon has a stop at like 25 minutes it was a it was a file size stop which uh, which was about 15 to 20 minutes because of your format like the camera the the format of the sd card 
I looked into that. It wasn't that. I actually Googled this, and it was a known issue with Canon. It's how it, like, you just can't record more than a certain number at a time. But it's because the 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 format that they use, like, you know, when you format your SD card. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, actually, on Sony, which I don't get. Yeah, so it is probably just the Canon issue. So what what they do is they split your video, right, into four gigs yeah, sizes. sizes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's stupid. And I think that what's even more dumb is that... um Canon is still using, I don't know what they're going to use on the new, they had just announced a new full frame mirrorless camera, like nice. the a seven three. Oh shit. Like the, it's called the EOS R and because they're hemorrhaging dude, their, their customer base is like bleeding. Like they're like meaning like they're all like doing what I did, which is sell their Canon, get yeah. a Sony. Yeah. 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 You know? And so they're like, we need to, we need to reel these people back in. Nikon's doing the same thing as well because they also lost a lot of customers. It's because of the video element, right? Because it's the Sony's you can video, but also like you were telling me before we started rolling about how the Samsung cameras are getting really good. I think that mirrorless cameras this year are getting really good. Yeah, yeah. The, the Samsung camera that I'm using right now for yeah beep beep is yeah. actually solid. Yeah. I've been getting some great videos. Yep. Yeah. So the 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 Sony or the Sony sensor. I mean, that's the thing is like. Canon and Nikon have to play catch up because Sony's been in this game for like a while. Yeah, you for know, sure. With the sensor game. Like and Sony, I mean Sony makes so many things. So Sony's kind of like really dominant. I kind of admire Sony for their reach. Like at the same time I just hope that they're not e- an evil corporation. Same here. Um for all of them. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I mean um but I mean, I love everything Sony does, man. Like we were just saying, PS4 is rocking, and so Canon is playing catch up, and Nikon is also playing catch up with this uh, mirrorless uh, cameras. Um, but the bene- uh, there are so many benefits to it. I mean, the main benefit for me when it comes to photo shooting is the quickness of the focus, mm. you know, and the quickness of shooting. Like I can take nine stills a second or some ridiculous, and they look good. And they all they're all in focus and they all look good. That's amazing. Um, especially when you're using a Sony lens on a Sony body, it's kind of finicky with the Canon lens on the Sony body. But uh, when it comes to Sony lenses, it's pretty solid. And I got one Sony lens so far. Um, awesome. Yeah, we talked a lot about tech. Um, what do you work like? What uh, as far as uh, so you got your work work? What about on the side? Is there anything you're trying to create for you? Yeah, there's always stuff I'm trying to create for me. Um, well, I'm working on a few things I can't really talk about, but that's um, fine. But the one thing I want to plug is uh, my documentary, this Japanese incarceration documentary I just did um, a couple months ago with the city of Glendale and. I think California state assembly or something financed it. So, um, that's coming out in film, film festivals this fall. Um, it's called, we were Americans and it's about a guy that was born in a internment camp. Doesn't really remember it. Wow. He's a baby. He was a baby. He's 75 now. So he basically to me represents like how long it's been since that time. Yeah. Um, so that was really interesting to, and also just being from a community like every community has been persecuted in some way, but, um, you know, just being in a community like our community, the Armenian community, that's been like, you know, talking about genocide so much since we were growing up and talking about recognition and justice and all that stuff. It was interesting to get a Japanese perspective because they have a whole different idea of what, um, there's this word that I put in the beginning of the film and I forget what it is in Japanese, but it basically means endurance so they have like this 
philosophy that if shit's going down, I mean, not to, not to belittle the experience, but it wasn't like people were dying. Like they were actually treated. Okay. But they were, it wasn't like a concentration camp, but it it was technically it was, but it wasn't like Holocaust concentrate. Like people weren't being killed in mass or like tortured or anything like barely anyone died or anything, but it was just like, it's, it's, it's still injustice because these people were robbed of their, like his family, like lost their farm. You know, they, they had just moved to America or some, her, his mom was born in America. So she was technically American. So, um, you know, I'm an American citizen. And so they were robbed of their opportunity. But what was interesting was how they didn't pass that along in their generations. Like they didn't tell their kids like, oh, you must be careful or you must be, oh, well, they would say you'd be careful, but they wouldn't say like, you must be like, you know, weary of the American government or anything. Like, no, they were like, still proud to be American. Some of them even joined the army. Like they were like proud Americans. They were just like, they felt, in fact, they felt guilty because they were like Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. We kind of feel like that's our fault. So we'll go into these camps. We'll sell our homes. We'll sell, sell our businesses. And yeah, I guess when you don't murder your prisoners, they don't hate you as much, you know? (laughs) I mean, there's that too, but I feel, I, I feel like Armenians wouldn't be able to last in those camps for more than like a week. How so? Like what, we were, what do you figure? Like we would just tear each other apart or tear, not tear each other apart. We'd find a way to like rebel or do something crazy. That's funny. You know, I can see that. <laughs> Come on. Look at Glendale, man. <laughs> look how people drive in Glendale. <laughs> like just that's point proof positive, man. Yeah, um, that's funny though. I think about that all the time. I, yeah. I think about to chill. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I, th- um, and I, I think about the fact that ang- like, uh, Anxiety is very common in Armenians. Yeah. Anxiety and obsessive compulsive tendencies. Mm-hmm. And just having a psych psych background, I mean I studied psychology in college and just thinking about how it, it's in like a, it's an echo mm-hmm. of almost getting wiped off the planet. Yeah. You know all that stress that that generation endured. Yeah. It still hasn't really yeah. evaporated. Right. It's still in us in a lot yeah. of ways. It's 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 in my parents. It's it's in me. It's yeah. it's something inside me that I I battle with every single day right. to try and not be as anxious and try and not be as worried about things that I don't need to be worried about. It's true. It's easy to worry, you know, especially when you when our ancestors like grandparents, parents were worried all the time yeah. because of real reasons. Right. You know, so it's just, it's crazy, but it's also at the same time. Oh, this is a good segue to my other film echoes of survival, hey. which is about artists dealing with their Armenian identity, but not in a way where we're talking about like, you know, we're not talking like in the film, I interview artists and I talk about what it means to be Armenian, what it means to be part of a, a race that was threat of being wiped off the planet, but also what, what is your work? What do you do? Like, why do you do what you do? What what inspires you to create art, you know? So it's not, for me, it's not about, oh, like the world owes me this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think we grew up with a lot of that, or at least I did, of like... Entitlement? Entitlement, yeah. I think that Armenians are a little too entitled. Like... I see, I see it a lot. Take a step back, bro. Like, share this world. See, like... Earn it. Yeah. You know? Take you know, take a page from the Japanese people or take a page from any other, like just read about other cultures, um, you know, and, and then you'll see that, Oh, well, we're not the only people that have been persecuted. Oh, like 
we, I mean, not to belittle the genocide again, like it was a catastrophe, like it, it was a catastrophe, but at the same time, it's like the reason why we're here, the reason why we're in like this country as also as fucked up as the situation is politically right now. It's not bad. Like we're having, we're okay. Could you be, know, it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. Yeah. Like, sure. We have a bad president, but like, at least he's not trying to murder us. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, count your blessings, count your blessings. We used to be good at that, but I think that like we've kind of, I think we're getting better at it again with, with every generation. Yeah. A lot of this stuff sort yeah. of gets diluted in a, in a good way, yeah. uh, but it's hard, man. I, th- I feel like a lot of that entitlement also comes from, um, just parents or at least mothers who overly baby their, their sons and daughters, make them think that they're like special without having to earn it. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the whole participation trophy. Not that like I've ever gotten a participation trophy, but it's the idea of making a human being feel like they're the best without having to do anything mm. to earn it. You know, and I was guilty of it at a certain age mm-hmm. when I was like a teenager in early college. I thought my shit didn't stink, and then the world mm-hmm. shot on me, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, it does stink, mm-hmm. and I really gotta like work for my talent. I gotta work for everything yeah. that I get, all the recognition, all the success. It all comes from grinding and sweating and bleeding, exactly. not from just being me. Yeah, you know. But to, to your point earlier, you still got to be yourself, and that's the balance. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to work hard and still find that genuine yeah. inspiration and and whatever you want to express in yourself. All oh, those are all the the ingredients. Yeah. To success. Yeah, I'm actually reading, uh, or I just downloaded Jordan Peterson's book. No, I did too. Yeah, on Audible. I've been listening to it for like a month now, bits nice. and pieces at a time. The parenting section was the one that resonated most with me because nice. I got a six month old. Interesting. But cool. Yeah, yeah. He makes some really good points about how, like, by yeah. the, by the age of four, the kid should be disciplined because yeah. that's when, like, uh-huh. from studying anthro in college, wow. four is yeah. when a child can survive on its own in the wild. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, Whoa. a four-year-old can do a lot of shit. Huh. Today's four-year-olds don't because they just they play all day. Yeah, but if that that kid had to, so are you gonna put your girl through like a bunch of the, go into the woods and live yeah. there for two weeks, learn <laughs> 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 to survive and hunt our own food? Damn. I would love to do that. See you, honey. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> go, it'll survive. Yeah. Um, but uh, she could. Uh-huh. Kid, four-year-old very complex yeah. cognition you know yeah. up until then they're learning 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 sure. and at four um they can create a fire they can s- huh. scout prey like they can their brain can do a lot wow. of shit and it, what was funny was that in the in the i don't remember if it was anthro it was psych they correlated that with divorce rates oh interesting and they basically said that what it looks like is the chemical love, the chemical romance that yeah. a, a man and a woman feel when they first interact, and in the in the wild, they probably got together, banged, had a kid. Yeah, four years was how long that chemical romance lasts, and oh, that's what? about how long it takes for the kid to be able to survive into the no wild. Way. So evolution created this mechanism to pass on the genes, so that the kid, huh. the, both parents, would be around long enough for the kid to be able to survive on its wow. own. Wow, isn't that crazy? That is insane. I mean, damn. Did you tell your wife this? Yeah, I've told everyone this. I love it. <laughs> I know, but what did she say? Like, okay, see you in four years? Like, or, well, she, well, the thing, uh, I, exp- I, I explained it very softly. <laughs> like, and I also explained that. Not to be dark, but like, I'll plan for the divorce. Now. Yeah, <laughs> see you later. That's the importance of companionate love and, oh, to get, yeah. and to be with someone that you actually get along with and yeah. you want to spend time with and not yeah. just want to bang because that's yes. going to go away eventually. And of then you, course. And you got to work yeah. on 
wanting to being attracted to each mm-hmm. other and yeah. wanting, you know yeah it's not easy. It's nothing as I tell my friends. It's about finding somebody with layers, you know, something, yeah. some, someone you can like watch Netflix with or like do something adventurous with or just just chill with. And I would argue most importantly, be able to have <clears throat> difficult conversations with that's yeah, because the, I 100 percent attribute mm-hmm. the success of my marriage mm-hmm. and my relationship to both of us. If we're disagreeing on something and there's like tension and turmoil yeah. and negativity, yeah. we sit there and we talk it out. That's good. Sometimes for hours. Sometimes wow. it's like 2 a.m. and we're nice. like, she's crying and I'm at the edge of the bed going, what the fuck is going on? Wow. But you, you go through that yeah. and then at the end, once emotions calm down, you can yeah. find that agreement. Yeah. The problem is when like one person or the other says, fuck this, and they leave and they go for oh, like yeah. a car ride or just go into yeah. another room, be alone. <laughs> we just sat there Literally. staring at each other, yeah. like hating each other. Yeah. But letting the emotions calm down uh-huh. and then being able to find that compromise—that's that's good, man. And that makes me feel. I mean, I, I can tell you that happened to me last week with a girl that I was seeing that I'm not seeing anymore. She just like stormed off, and I'm like, okay. I was like, my instinct was, I'm gonna go home and play Spider Man. Yeah, because that's not the right girl. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's not worth it. Don't shoulda, coulda, woulda that one. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's the hardest thing to have those fucking yeah. conversations because your instincts make you want to bounce. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's fight or flight, right? 100%. I was telling somebody the other day, we were talking about hit and runs, and they were like, why does it happen? Why does it, why, why do people run? It's like, because their fight, and flight, yeah. fight or flight kicks in, and most people are going to flight. flight. Yeah, <laughs> and I think as humans, we've evolved to flight for the most part, because yeah. we're not at the top of the food chain. Yeah. You know, you see a tiger, an elephant, yeah. a lion, you're going to bounce unless you got oh, a yeah. spear, and even then you probably <laughs> fuck. Yeah. You know, I mean, people bounce when they see a rat on the street. Yeah, you know? spider, spider. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, myself included. Um, yeah, why yeah. is she so? My cat is just like she's being so antisocial today. I think she had a long night. I, I'm also a new guy. Oh, she's napping. Oh, oh that's so cute. That's such a cutest little nap it's thing. So cute. <laughs> yeah, that's her little like. I I've been putting her snacks there, so that's she's cute. Gotten pretty cozy. Because if I didn't know that you had a cat, I would just think it's like a decoration. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a, a video of it after this. Furby. Yeah. yeah. But it's actually a really awesome nap spot. Yeah, she's cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've had the cat for about a year. Do you have any pets? I have a dog. Nice. Dog, yeah. Half German, half German Shepherd, half Husky, white, look, wolf looking. Ooh. She's about she's two and a half right nice, now. Nice. yeah yeah her name's ghost named ghost. after john nice. snow's dog yeah oh sick yeah yeah i have not watched game of thrones oh you haven't oh, I what yeah. just one best drama i know i know i know <laughs> i know i know i know i met an i actually had a full-on conversation with an editor from game of thrones the other day i was at this like edit conference where you get to like talk to people who work on all kinds of shit so i was talking to him and i'm like pretending that i know the show I'm like <laughs> Hey, so that that battle sequence you showed that was pretty cool. So how what went into that? You know, just like focusing on that rather than like plot points. How have you not like? I'm I'm so shocked. Um, That's like the most shocking thing you've said to me ever. I know I dropped the ball. That I haven't seen. Mad Men I haven't seen. Wow. And what else am I embarrassed? Lord of the Rings. Rising? Of course I've, I, have I to, haven't I have seen Lord of the Rings. What? Yeah, yeah. I had to I have drop my extended Blu-ray, dude. Damn son. Oh, yeah, which I haven't watched. Like. You know, I haven't watched it on Blu-ray. I have it on Blu-ray. I just have to make time to watch. Dude, each movie is like four and a half hours on the extended version. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you haven't seen it, then you should watch it that way. You should watch Yes. Wow, because it has all the additional story yeah. elements. And the additional elements, as self-indulgent as Hobbit was, like, I don't know, Peter Jackson has to kind of make up himself after that one. But <laughs> um, 
Lord, when I watched these when I was in high school, like the extended, that's how I saw them. Yeah. Um, the extra scenes are not super extra. They're like necessary. Damn, I'm down. Yeah, Yeah. maybe that's how I should watch it. It's like a book. I mean, it's like the book. Like, it's like binge watching a show. Mm. And I don't know. um, Now Amazon is doing a Lord of the Rings show kind of to compete with Game of Thrones. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't reinvent the wheel. Like, no, it's like this. This series, this trilogy is like one of the best trilogies in film history. That's why I'm so embarrassed. The most like coherent, the most um, consistent film series that has ever existed fuck yeah you know but that being said yeah i have to watch game of thrones i've only seen a couple episodes and then i was like oh I'll watch it whenever it gets to season five and it's I, the last season now i know yeah you gotta do it dude i know i know i'll, I'll do it I'll it's do worth it. it i rewatched I it all recently oh wow and it was just as good the second time that's how you know it's i'll bomb. do it i'm like halfway through sopranos right now so when i'm done with that i'll i haven't watched sopranos oh, yeah i've watched Mad Men, which is the same yeah. show creator but i haven't seen sopranos it's the same show creator i thought it was like one of the i think one of the writers from sopranos went to do oh Mad i thought it, i didn't know okay maybe yeah not. Maybe, maybe um and then one of the other writers went and did one of my favorite shows, Boardwalk Empire. I watched that. It's underrated. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Buscemi, right? Um, Buscemi's the star of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Breaking it, Bad, though, you for sure seen. <sighs> God, it's so fucking good. Yeah, so, I need to rewatch that too. Yeah, same. I've rewatched a few episodes. Yeah. Ozymandias, which goes down as like one of the best episodes one of, of the all best. time. That's re- uh, the guy that did uh, Last Jedi, right? Is it? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. I think so. He directed Last yeah. Jedi. Sick. Yeah. Oh, that episode's so good. I rewatched yeah. it a few times just because yeah. I read about it being the best. And I was like, are you, are you a big Star Wars fan? Um, I'm definitely a Star Wars fan. What do you think of Last Jedi? Because that's pretty uh, split for people. I I mean, I see the new ones for what they are. Yeah. I don't really like. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's how it should be. Like, yeah. I think that most people, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I like the new, I like where they're going with it. I like what they did. Yeah, um, I like the the one w- that was right before A New Hope. I forget what that one was called. That was like the in-between one. R- Rogue One. Rogue One was good. Oh, yeah. That was okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. mind it. I mean, I didn't go into it expecting yeah. to be blown away. Yeah. You That's know. the thing is like everybody has their expectations. Expectations of joy uh, is the yeah. thief of joy. That's what that was on. That was from the Musk podcast. Musk podcast. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Actually, dude, I was trying to look that up this morning because I was going to tell that to my mom. Thank you for the reminder. What was it again? Expectation is the thief, thief of joy. joy. Okay. Because that's what it does. And now, mm-hmm. and, and being a longtime movie watcher, I've learned yeah. to just go in with no expectations. As little as possible. Yeah. And yeah. you know what was weird? This latest Christopher Nolan movie. Dunkirk. I went, Dunkirk. Yeah. yeah. I went in with low expectations and. Still didn't like it? It was weird. I, I liked it, but I was just like, I was kind of confused. Yeah. And I had, a, it was just a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. The whole movie was just like, oh, my um, God. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. And he, that's, the, that's what yeah. he was trying to do. He said that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. He was like, I was trying to put you in the shoes of the person that was there and to feel all the emotions that they're feeling. And it's not a fucking good emotion. You know, not no. at all. No. Which is similar to what he did with Memento. Try to conf- to make you feel the confused. But I love that movie. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time. Yeah. Memento's like top three. Easy. Yeah. And I meet people every now and then who don't like it. And I'm just like, I try and like yeah. explain to them that you got to watch it like four yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, every time you watch it, you're going to learn something new. Yeah. That's and the thing. Yeah, what a ballsy movie. Oh, so ballsy and so good, dude. Yeah. Even now, every time I watch it, there's things that I see. I've watched yeah. it like 12 times, like yeah. probably like where right. you said of Jackie Brown, which I haven't watched enough times, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I feel like Jackie Brown gets better every time you watch it. Yeah, huh? It's so good. And it's the most underrated Tarantino film, probably. It is the most underrated Tarantino film. Yeah. I think it's one of his best, if not like top two. He snuck it in in between like Pulp Fiction and uh, uh, Kill Bill, right? Or was it before? Death was- Proof. No. 
It was between Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. No, 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 it wasn't. It was after Pulp Fiction? It was after Pulp Fiction, right after. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's I think why. Pulp Fiction was like 94 and Jackie Brown's 96 or 97. Mm. But um, I think, well, what? I think it was Kill Bill. Was Kill Bill before Death Proof? I want to say yes. I yeah. want to say the first one was yeah. before Death Proof. No, both of them were. Oh, they he were. Did them back to back. It was oh, like two years. Right. It was like twenty, twenty, whatever. Twenty two thousand four, two thousand five. Like that time. Do you know if he's working on the ninth one? Yeah, of course he is. Right. I don't know this. Yeah, I've just been so working so hard on all it's this cool. shit. You know what it is, right? No, it's very it? exciting. What is it? It's called Once Upon a Time in Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah, and it's about. It's like sort of a Pulp Fiction esque vibe, but it's like. Uh, you know, seventies uh, or late sixties, actually during the Manson stuff. Oh. Yeah. So Manson, there's a guy playing Manson. I'm and, so excited. And there's, we don't know much about the story. All we know is that it deals with Man- Manson and Margot Robbie pay- plays uh, Sharon uh, Tate. Uh, oh my God. Who, who was murdered by Manson, I think. Yeah, she was. And, or she murdered, was by, murdered by Manson, Man- Manson's goons. Cause you know, Manson never killed anybody. Yeah. 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 He just had his little crazy. Yeah. So that's happening, and then there's another story in there where Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, so Leonardo DiCaprio plays like plays a famous actor that is trying to adjust to the '60s or something, like a famous like Hollywood actor who's trying to like make it still and like was the shit in the '50s. And then Brad Pitt plays his stunt double. We got Leo and Brad Pitt in the yeah. same movie in the same like scenes. I'm already time. just yeah. like, yeah. Oh my god, I know. I know. And there's, there's a whole like star studded cast. I just, I can't think of all of them right now, but I mean, it's going to be great, you know? <sighs> and they shot it, they shot it in LA this past summer, I think. So I think it's like being edited right now. I'm so happy. I know. I was just hoping the whole Weinstein shit didn't like fuck with him. I don't think it, I don't think it got, I think some people were trying to take Tarantino down, frankly, and it didn't work. Good. So I'm glad. Yeah. Because we need all the Tarantino we can get. Dude. We need uh, 10 films plus more. Yeah. You just reminded me of True Romance when you said Brad Pitt. Yeah. Such a good fucking movie, Oh, dude. yeah. Another all-star cast. He plays the stoner, right? He plays the stoner. Yeah. The best oh stoner God. role of all time. And then James Gandolfini's in that, too. Yeah. Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. I got to go back and watch that one. That oh, was good. Oh, dude. So yeah, good. Every great. time. Yeah. And that, that scene with uh, Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. Oh, oh. yeah. One of the most legendary, two legends of film together. And they improvise some of that shit, too. They yeah. talk about it in, this, in the uh, thing, the documentary. Right. Oh, my gosh. Which documentary? Oh, I'm sorry. Not documentary. Behind yeah, the like scenes? B-roll, uh, yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Because, yeah, I have those on Blu-ray. You have that box set? No. It's really cool. The Tarantino box yeah, set? Yeah, I almost want to grab it. And, like, they have True Romance right in there? Everything, yeah. Everything you ever wrote. Uh, let, me, let me get that. Oh, yeah, grab it. Dope. So sick. Oh, and I get Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you got the coolest shit over there, man. That's so cool that they have all of his movies, including the ones he didn't direct. Just, just one. Just that one? Because he did Natural Born. He wrote Natural Born Killers. Yeah, which I've never seen. I've never seen it either. Yeah. So this, sick. Can see. Six, six, this six. is the Tarantino ten. Well, yeah, it's XX, so it's twenty. Oh, no, twenty. Yeah, so twenty. Sorry. So this is like marking the first twenty years of his career, pretty sick. much. So what's really cool about this is the art. Oh, dope. You know, the all the movies, yeah. all the movies together. Yeah. Vector art, you're a graphic designer. You know this stuff. Oh yeah. I love it. Uma, all the characters. Look at that. Isn't Sick. that amazing? And then you open this. Oh, Jackie Brown's not in here. Cause she's still, it's still in my DVD player. <laughs> all right. So look, so you got true romance, reservoir dogs, pulp fiction, Jackie Brown, 
so much, but Kill Dope. Bill. Kill Bill's got the actual list on it. And they all have the design, like the unique design to the set on each CD. Yeah. yeah. And then two, two discs of like bonus footage. Sick. Um, so, I mean, it's not as impressive. Like the bonus footage is not as impressive as I hoped it would be. It's mm. a lot of like conversations with like, they have like a lot of film critics sitting in a circle talking about Tarantino. I'd rather have them interview him, but yeah, it's not like criterion material, but it's like, I mean, you're getting a Blu-ray copy of all his, his movies. films, which are essential. I mean, one of the things I thought about was like, oh, they're always on Netflix or they're always streaming. But dude, the quality like is very important, <laughs> especially for like the, the level of attention to detail yeah. that they gave these films. You want to be able to see all that shit. Yeah. yeah. And this is the Lord of the Lord of the Rings box set. Nice. The extended version. And I like this one, the, the box a lot. Um, it looks really cool. It's, it's got, all gold. It's got Middle Earth, you know, <laughs> mapped out. And then it's got three blu-rays like Sick. this and each one of these like this is ridiculous but like this by itself the fellowship of the ring is like five discs in one little box like yeah. that yeah i mean because it's giving you like the dvd copy as well oh, which I see. is nice but um yeah two blu-rays and then three dvds wow um of wait a minute yeah so it's like extended edition and then yeah, so this, the two Blu-rays are just the movie, and then the DVDs are the the behind-the-scenes. So what's really cool about this, once I watch it, I'll let you borrow it. <laughs> so it's like four hours for the first for the first movie? Um, a lot of popcorn. Let's see what it says. <laughs> oh, look at this. Extended edition 1080p, uh, four commentaries by the director. Jeez, like who has that much time? Christ, like who has the time to watch a movie with four different commentaries that's already four hours? <laughs> and then this three or the DVDs has six documentaries covering token. So this is like this sets the bar for behind the scenes for me. Um, length of movie? Where's the length? Um, I don't see it on here. Yeah, I don't see it on here. Maybe like they don't want to scare people away from from buying it because it's so long. It's so long. <laughs> and what was cool was I don't know if they included it in here. I think they did. I think they did. It's pretty cool because I remember I had these on uh, DVD before, mm-hmm. like when I was in high school. I, they were at Costco and I just like bought them all. Yeah. Um, what's really cool is they have all these like oh nice know, diagrams of, diagrams of the menus of the DVD and like what's in what's in what folder. They used to have, let me see if it's in here. Ah, here we go. So the scenes, right? The scene yeah. index, uh-huh. right? You'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, there's like stars and two stars and one star. Next what does that them, mean? Right? What that means is one star means new scene and two star means extended scene ah. compared to theatrical. So you can go through and just watch all the extra shit if you, if you don't want to watch all the stuff you've seen. Yeah, and yeah. It's, just, yeah it's just letting you know like what what chapters are added you know and that's really cool that's i think you awesome. can watch the theatrical version on here too but you don't want to do that who wants that you don't want to do that no 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 just oh. the early 2000s peter jackson he knew what he was doing yeah i try um, i do trust him i don't know about now i don't know what his next i think he's working on something big i know in I this saw, universe yeah, or no, no no something different oh cool um but man i don't know ever since lovely bones came out I've lost some of my respect for that guy. I haven't seen Lovely Bones. Yeah, it's nobody not, really. It's not has. that good. It's not that great. Mm. You know, 
Um, he did that. He did King Kong, which was okay, King Kong. But um, I don't know. King Kong to me is like kind of a boring character, actually. Wasn't that? Is that the new one? No, that's Skull Island. That's the one that um, Jordan Voight Roberts did. No. Oh, I'm thinking of Godzilla. Oh, right. Where it's he's like born from a nuclear something. Right. Some shit. Yeah. And then there's another Godzilla coming out soon. Right. So you're thinking of. Uh, you're talking about the King Kong that was... I'm talking about King Kong, the one from like 15 years ago. Okay. Right after Lord of the Rings. I think it was the first thing he did after Lord of the Rings. And he, King anyway. Kong is kind of a boring character. Yeah. He doesn't have magical powers. He's just a big, strong monkey. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why they keep making King Kong movies. It's like... I mean, I want to see the latest one, actually, because I want to see how Jordan Voight Roberts operates. Because I don't know if you know, but he, are you a fan of Metal Gear? Yeah, yeah, he's, I, I 100 percented Metal Gear Solid way yeah, back in the day. It's yeah. such a good story. I have the original PlayStation in there somewhere. Uh, the the disc, the black disc yeah, on the yeah. bottom. But um, he's supposed to do the Metal Gear Solid movie. Oh, sick! So um, I mean, he's saying it like it's all over social media. It's all over his right. Like if you just look at his Twitter, it's all like Metal Gear posts, and he's hired people to do like cool artwork for it. But like people have told me internal people that like it might it's probably not gonna happen mm. but then again he's like hyping it up like so much so. yeah crazy hype yeah. crazy hype well th- i saw kong and it, it was fun it had the guy who plays loki i forget his name oh um fuck i love that guy though yeah he's a cool dude yeah. it had john goodman yeah it had a decent cast story so you did see it i saw it. the yeah. story was kind of obvious but it was fun like yeah i don't go thing. into movies like that expecting to have my mind blown right you know but definitely a metal gear movie has to have a solid story for sure that's the thing oh yeah and a complex yeah. like uh it, like interwoven storylines and yeah. just people backstabbing other people and things aren't what they seem and that kind of shit yeah and just like sci-fi yeah like mind-blowing sci-fi like if jordan peele was doing metal gear i'd be like yes that would be you awesome know? yeah because like, the psychomantis stuff like imagine <sighs> you know but about jordan white roberts his first movie is really good his first movie is very different from everything else it's called kings of summer mm. it's about three boys who like go into the jungle or the forest to like build the tree house like for the summer and like they're best friends and they want to get away from home so they like build this tree house and they have like girl come like a girl comes over and all that kind of stuff and it's just about being a teenager and it's pretty good. Awesome. Um, gotta check that out. Kings of summer. Yeah. Kings of summer. Um, yeah. What else, what else have you seen lately? Uh, lately? Fuck. I'm trying to remember. I finally watched black Panther. I hadn't seen it. Wow. In theaters. On yeah. Netflix. On Netflix. Yeah. It just came out. It was I, dope. Uh-huh. Infinity war. I saw that in theaters three times. Yeah. I've been reading some of the theories about the time stone. Oh, have you read any of the time stone theories? No. Oh, it's so cool. Tell me. Oh my Spoilers. God spoilers uh for anyone who hasn't seen infinity or or doesn't want to know anything about the theories you should probably tune out but i i will do my best to explain basically what happens what it, it's all centered around dr strange right and, and that scene where he's like calculating like yeah. he says i've seen all the possible outcomes and we only win in one yeah the theory goes that he knows what that one is and during from then up until he gives him the stone he's sort of tweaking this reality this timeline to fit that scenario Mm. and there's this there's this shit about him traveling through another dimension with the time stone and using it to like time travel and sending it back to himself and the version of the time stone that he gives to thanos is like not the real one that's why it it also has to do with the fact that the glove gets destroyed after he snaps his fingers Hmm. so he snaps his fingers kills half the people but then the glove melts 
So he doesn't have the gauntlet anymore. The gauntlet oh, stops working. Interesting. And they think that's because of what Doctor Strange, Strange did, did to the time stone. Huh. Um, and yeah, he like tweet and and the uh, the argument that was made is because there's so many moments where Doctor Strange could have done something, yeah, but he doesn't do anything, right. and and he only steps in at intricate moments just to like nudge the situation. Right. So it's all centered around him time traveling, going through different scenarios, mm. different universes, wow. uh, yeah, and then he's like, and and when he says like this was the only way, like right before he goes, Jeez. yeah, so it's all around, it's all about him. Wow, yeah, I mean, I get, I I understood that he was very important. Um, yeah, I actually, I just felt like he took a back seat in this movie, but he was important and it was intentionally a back yeah. seat. Yeah. So he'll be back in the next one. You think that's what they're saying? And there's yeah. also a theory that Loki isn't dead because there's, if you, if you oh. go back and watch the first scene where Loki dies, yeah. when Th- Thanos is holding Loki by the neck, you in the background, you can almost see like a shadowy figure hmm. moving around. And the theory is that that's real Loki and that this was a projection because oh he's a trickster. Yeah, God, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that. I, I really didn't feel like he was i think that that scene was necessary though because he was the best he was the best villain in the marvel universe up until thanos came around yeah exactly and um, and you're talking yeah. about the opening scene right yeah. yeah the opening scene was to establish that thanos is no one to be fucked with yeah he will course. kill your family yeah. and everyone you love yeah i mean he killed his own family yeah so um but yeah i mean i don't really dive again i don't dive into the spoilers I mean, not spoilers, but theories too much. Me either, really. This is the only one I watched because my oh, yeah. friend sent it to me, and he's right. like, this is legit, bro. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I, I saw the movie twice. I loved it. Yeah, um, me too. I did, I did listen to the, the screenwriters talk about it for like an hour. I don't know if you've seen that. It's pretty good. It's on YouTube. Um, what and else? Shout out to uh, yeah. the motion capture people who did josh brolin as thanos because they fucking nailed it dude. oh yeah he looked so good yeah the emotions in his eyes and everything even though it was all he was like all cg yeah. but it didn't bother me yeah you know yeah and when you watch footage of him on set you're like wow he was fully there like just himself like all they had on him was like a helmet with like some mocap stuff but because they knew that the real magic was in the emotion of his mm-hmm. face and his voice so do you think that they captured his face later separately or did they capture it there I think they captured it there and they did a magical job at putting it uh-huh. on, putting it on to Thanos. Because, uh-huh. like, you know, they have those little dots on your face that capture your muscle movements and all yeah. that stuff. And I, the, I think I think the way they mapped that into a digital environment, yeah. you know, and yeah. melded it onto his face. But who knows? Who knows uh-huh. what they did? This is me assuming what their process was. What do you think? Um, I thought it was good. No, I thought that was great. Um, mocap. Mocap's interesting. I, I, I don't understand why most video games don't have it like i feel like ever since oh you mean why they just use straight up cg and it looks kind of yeah stiff you know i can't think of what game i'm hmm, i'm thinking maybe god of war they didn't use it that much maybe they did actually um no sony's usually on point with it actually um uh, yeah every single it should be a standard yeah for every game or every movie i don't see why not cap it's like why not well you need a good actor yeah, that's that's true. the trick. Yeah, yeah. If the actor's not good, it's not going to be that good. Like yeah. Avatar. Yeah. Part of the reason why it was so dope is because of what's her face, the girl that plays Gamora. Oh yeah, she did the the, the main girl. Oh yeah, and her right. acting. Yeah, is what made the the girl look so real and good that's and, true. and connected with that's her. True. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so what have I seen? I saw Black Klansman a month ago. I saw. Oh, was how pretty, was that? I want to see that. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
was pretty good. Um, Crazy Rich Asians was pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to see that too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fun movie to just zone out and enjoy. I I tell people it's like my big fat Greek wedding on steroids. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw Tangerine recently. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, I saw. I watched it with my wife. We were both just like, "Did you know? No, about the Armenian stuff? No, I had oh, no yeah. idea. We're, were you stoned? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, that's what ah! happened to me. That's what happened to me. I got stoned. I'm like, oh, I've heard a lot of good things about this movie. I didn't know about the Armenian character at all. Yeah, me either, dude. It and was... I tell I tell people to watch it without knowing. knowing yeah. yeah. And then they're like, bro, what? <laughs> Armenian guy? Armenian scene? What? What? Yeah. yeah I'm and... like, your mom is definitely not watching this movie. Right. Right. <laughs> she wouldn't get it. She I would know. be like offended. I know. You know. We thought it was funny and great storytelling right. and everything, but. One of the best blowjob scenes in movie history, oh, in my e- opinion. Easily. Yeah. Um. <laughs> they go in a car wash it's great uh yeah. but it, it, yeah man that guy's so that guy's a genius sean baker he's a genius when it comes to and when i say genius it goes back to what we were originally talking about that no one's really a genius he's just good at recognizing his failures and not expressing them right you know or not or keeping them bottled up or like within parameters so what well, i watched florida project like last year that's his follow-up film Mm -hmm. and it was good it was not as exciting and amazing as tangerine but what i realized is like he's really good at making you feel like you're there yeah dude you know and it it, like i i wouldn't just just based on the cinematography and other parts of the film yeah i wouldn't immediately think that but after experiencing the film i was like whoa he's he is really good at that in a subtle way you know not like in a nolan way yeah in a, in a very different way nolan's not subtle at all dude. No, not. nolan's not su- the last time nolan was subtle was probably his first film yeah following yeah yeah which um, is a great movie yeah it's cool I fucking love that movie um oh yeah three billboards was really good yeah i like that one it was i liked fun. it a lot the performances were, were great good I thought, story i thought yeah i thought it was the best i've ever seen woody harrelson for sure mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean francis mcdormand always kills it so yeah that's like the perfect role for her as well there was this movie that kind of swept the Oscars that oh. I had not even heard of. Something about Mickey, I am. Fuck, I don't remember what it was called. Macy. Hmm. I don't remember. You, did you... Uh, wait, it wasn't the Oscars. It was the Emmys. My oh. bad. Wait, is the Emmys the Oscars? A couple days ago? The Emmys were like yesterday or two days two ago. Two days ago. Yeah. That's not the Oscars. That is the Oscars. No, dude. Oscars? No. no. no they're different. Emmys are for TV. Emmys Oscars are for... Are for movies, okay, yeah. yeah. Why, why am I so confused yeah. right now? Well, Mar- Marcy, what are you talking about? I don't remember. Okay. Don't quote me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just... I had never heard of it. I was like, what is this thing that's winning everything? There's a movie behind you that was stumped at the Oscars. Um, can you grab those Blu-rays right there? Which ones? Uh, underneath Back to the Future. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have to shout this out because I literally hate tell a lot of people to watch this because it's an important film. Yeah, that one right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, it's controversial to say this, but Birth of a Nation is a good movie. Birth of a Nation. It's a great movie, actually. Yeah. And you'll see there. Look, look what it says underneath the name. Do you see those two little laurels? Sundance winners. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. It won at Sundance. It was sold for like a record, like seventeen, eighteen million dollars. Like Fox searchlight bought it but then there was controversy why because the filmmaker who spent like eight to ten years making this i don't know if you know about uh nat turner i've heard the name so nat turner we all know most of us know about the armenian freedom fighters the fedites and stuff he was like the black fedite he was the black Armenian. he was the not black armenian but black <laughs> basically 
abolitionist is what yeah. they call it, right? Yeah. So during slave times, he was actually, he was preaching because he was one of the first uh, people. Well, you know, he was, he was a slave that could read and write and all that kind of stuff from a young age. So they gave him a Bible and they taught him the scriptures and stuff. And so he started to um, preach to his, uh, like his plantation slaves. And then they saw that that was a good business. So they took him to other plantations and his owner, his actually his friend that he grew up with, who was his owner, which is kind of fucked up. Wow. Um, was, you know, gaining profits cause they weren't doing well. Like their plantation wasn't doing well. So they were like, Oh, well we can get Nat to, 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 to make us some money if we take him to some other places. So he started doing that and then he started opening up and, seeing that the scripture was being used for bad, you know, mm, justifying. The script, yeah. So things. it's about how religion has this duality to it, which man, this shit is so nuanced, like something that's so needed in this day and age, which is like, not that I'm a religious person, although I come from a religious family, but there's like a duality to religion where there's good that you can get from it. Like he was preaching about like being responsible and obeying your master and things like that yeah. that are in there that are, for a person, for individual, it's like a good thing, right? Obey, obeying your master is about obeying your goals and your ambition and all that kind of Correct. stuff that we talk about. Yeah. But um, he was, they were using it to obey their master, right? The slave master, of course. The slave owner. Of course. So long story short, it's a really good movie, like like Braveheart level or wow. like, you know, those kind of, that kind of vibe. Like yeah. something that when you walk out of it or when you finish watching, you're really inspired. Um, but at the same time, you're like, fuck, this is the, what happened to this guy. is so fucked up. And what's really cool is also the name Birth of a Nation. I don't know if you know, but that movie was the original. The original Birth of a Nation was a movie that was screened in the White House uh, with Woodrow Wilson. Um, he screened it and it was uh, the rebirth of the Ku Klux Klan. They actually talk about it in the movie Black Whoa. Klansman. They talk about it in what's Ava DuVernay's documentary 13th, right? So the Ku Klux Klan was like doing okay, like they weren't doing too well, you know, they were kind of like petering out. Oh, bummer. And, yeah, right. And then in 1910 or 1911 or something, this guy, D.W. Griffith, made this film. It was one of the first feature films. It was like whatever Marvel Universe is right now for us, this was that back then, right? This was the first like epic movie. Yeah. And he invented so many things like editing and like he invented these things. Wow. In this movie. And so this movie is like required. To, you're required to see it in film school. Yeah, like, makes sense. You, you watch clips of it. But I remember always thinking like, whoa, is that the Ku Klux Klan? Like, it's showing how black people, and these are not real black people in the original Birth of a Nation. They're white people with blackface. Wow. And they're like doing like stuff like raping women and like being filthy and being like disgusting and like all these tropes that they had against black people, they were using these tropes and they were like showing how the Ku Klux Klan is like amazing. And so in Black Klansman, if you see that movie, which I highly recommend, Jesus. you'll see there's a scene where they're all like having their, the Ku Klux Klan is having a meeting where they're watching that movie and they're like cheering them on and they're like, yeah, the Klan, whatever. And so fucking a kudos to the director of this new birth of a nation where he took that name and he flipped it on its head. He's like, mm. that's not the birth of a nation. This, this is, is the birth of a nation. I love it. The I black slave standing up and like demanding freedom and all this stuff. That's the, and instead of taking it under their wing, it got snubbed. So instead of like liberal Hollywood being like, Oh my God, this is such a great movie. This is such a, you know, like this is exactly what we need right now. And I thought it was when I saw it, like I got, I was like, dude, this is what America needs to see right now. Did like, it get nominated at least? It didn't even get nominated. Wow. Because 
This is what I'm coming to. The director slash actor, he acted in it. It was his first feature film and he fucking killed it. And he acted in it as well. Like he's acted for years. This yeah. guy's an actor, but it was his first feature film where he wrote and directed, but he also starred in it. And so, uh, he was doing an interview, like promoting the, the film. And someone asked him like, Hey, we heard that there was a situation when you were in college that uh, a woman accused you of rape. I heard about yeah. this. And so he's like, Oh, I'm here to promote my film. I don't want to talk about that. He but, got me too. And, and there, well, he got me too. He was, I considered his me too before me too. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. So it was before all that. And when we say me too, we're not talking about like he did something horrible and like we need to acute. No, we're talking about an allegation, a, an allegation, assuming the worst of someone when you have, you don't even know the facts. Right. Yeah. And so, um, basically what happened was, and this is the same year that Casey Affleck, a known proven, uh, you know, somebody who's done, done, done stuff. Yeah. Shit. You, you can read about that one for best actor. That's so uh, the politics of it yeah. is, is just horrendous. It's insane. Yeah. And so even, even to the point where they had to like, it got to the point where they realized they fucked up so bad that Casey Affleck, the tradition is like the best actor of the previous year, uh, gives the award for the best actress of the next year and vice versa. The year after when Brie Larson won or something, like Casey Affleck wasn't the one giving the award because of what happened because of like everyone being like, what the fuck about Casey Affleck? Yeah. You know, what about him? Yeah. You know, you got Nate Parker out of here. Like he's pretty much shunned from the whole Hollywood industry, at least for now. But what's crazy is he did a great movie. I mean, there are some suspicious things about what had happened. I mean, the woman killed herself. That's what really fucks it up. Wow. I didn't know that. She killed herself when she was 30, which was like eight or nine years later. But we don't know why she killed herself. There right. could have been a variety of factors right. of that. That could have, sure, I'm sure something bad maybe did. Ha- let's say, it, let's say it did happen, right? Don't you don't you think that like that like that 22 year old or 21 year old Nate Parker isn't the same? Like people, it's easy for people to equate allegations and <sighs> and just like accusations with with. React with facts, yeah. you know, yeah. that's the problem. Someone's accused of something. Oh, they're immediately guilty and fuck them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just crazy. And, yeah. I, and you know, I'm not saying they did or they did do it. I'm just yeah. saying, let's wait to see what yeah. happens. Listen, we all agree <laughs> that like rape is bad. Rape is bad. <laughs> Harassment is bad. Women deserve everything that men have and even more actually. But at the end of the day, you can't shun some like, the stuff that's happening with Louis CK right now is also kind of disheartening because it's like, they're yeah, trying to shit on him. They're trying back. to shit on him coming back. But it's like, I think Bill Burr said it best. I don't know if you saw that clip a couple of days ago, but he said it best. He's like, yeah, we know he did something horrible. How much do you got, want the guy to pay for it? He yeah. already like apologized. He, he knows he fucked up. Yeah. He promised not to do it again. Yes. And he took a break. Not just a break, but he was fired from all of his shit. Yeah. His movie didn't come out. Yeah. His movie didn't come out and got, I mean, that probably looked awful anyway, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, the guy got shunned and how long do you shun somebody? And now he's got the balls to at least make somewhat of a comeback and yeah. just start doing some shows to tr- to his biggest yeah. fans. Let him yeah. do his shit, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like I just heard Roseanne is moving to Israel. I mean, I didn't even know she was Jewish. Yeah, she's Jewish. Oh, okay. But she's moving there because nobody will. I mean, not that I agree with what Roseanne said, but it's just like, dude, like she was on drugs, like Prozac or something. Yeah. And, or whatever. Rogan it is. really dug into that. And yeah. It's like, give her a fucking break, man. Like, you know, you give your grandma a break when she cracks a racist joke or something, you know? 
Yeah. <laughs> and it, she's basically like everybody's grandma because we all grew up with her. Exactly. You so know? she's moving there just to get away from everything that's going on out here, huh? Yeah. It's just like nobody will talk to her. Nobody will. I mean, Joe Rogan said that he'll have her on the podcast. But he tried to, but it got canceled. I, th- right? I think that her publicists or whoever is like, you know what? It's not a good time for you to. Yeah. To be. Going don't out don't there. fuel the fire. Because yeah. we know like anything you go on there. Like also they can't control what she's going to say. Right. She's a little bit off the hinge, you know? It's like this work is on a, yourself. Yeah. Reduce your dosage yeah. of whatever you're taking. Taking, and then we'll totally. see if you can come yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she ran for president. Let's not forget that. Yeah, <laughs> How much time you got? Uh, like another five minutes. Five minutes. Okay. Yeah. Well, then we'll close on yeah. religion because I talked about religion oh. the other day and we tapped into it earlier. Very so, Pete Holmes of you. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a religious family. Yeah. But I'm I I'm not really a practicing yeah like, church goer. Yeah. Um, but I do see a beauty in the universe and all around me and i try Mm -hmm. and tap into that almost as if that's the god that i'm chasing and and Mm -hmm. and sort of worshiping in a way is this like an unquantifiable beauty in the universe how would you define your spirituality that's pretty i mean you you've got a pretty solid definition that i would agree with um i would define my personal spirituality as like a relationship with the people around me, the people, <clears throat> myself with, um, like just seeing spirituality and everything, even in, in her, my cat, <laughs> word, my dog and my yeah. daughter changed my life. Yeah, from a exactly. Spiritual perspective. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's all about balancing your ego and balancing yourself and not like not imposing some, your beliefs on somebody else. So for me, it's like, yeah, I grew up in the church. My dad's a reverend. My mom, is religious. My parents are religious, but yeah, so are um, mine. Yeah, and so like every most Armenian parents are. Um, but what I realize is that sure, take your take your lessons from there. Maybe you got lessons from Christ one day, and then lessons from Buddha another day, and lessons from Allah the next and day. Lessons like, from life and failure and yeah, things happening around you. You know day. what I mean? So it's like um, I think Mark, Malcolm X has a really good quote where he's like, "My God is the same as your God." You know, just because you call him uh, Jesus or Buddha God or, or whatever Buddha yeah. or Jehovah and I call him Allah doesn't make me or doesn't make us any less common humans. Exactly. So I feel like I feel like religion is bigger than us yeah. or I feel like God is bigger than us and it goes back to Deepak Chopra I think he was talking about like how God is laughing at the cosmic joke because God gets it like God gets whatever God is, yeah. man, woman, it, whatever. Positive, you, negative, chaos, order. Yeah. This and crazy balance. And in that, and this goes into Neil deGrasse Tyson world a little bit. He said something on a podcast a few years ago where he was like, he's like, you know what blows my mind is that like, we see the universe, but is that what it really looks like? Because it's like, we see it with our eyes, but like, you know, a cat sees differently, a dog sees differently, a plant I don't know if plants see, but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He talks about fourth dimension that way. He goes, yeah. we've evolved to perceive in three dimensions. We can't even imagine what a fourth dimension would, would look like. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> go figure what, like, that's why I, that's why I don't say that I'm an atheist or that's why I, I don't. The word has been ruined. It's been ruined. And the concept, I feel like an atheist is just as bad as a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> or just as bad as a radical Christian. Let's say a radical. Anything. Bad, but yeah. Like, an atheist radical, is a radical yes. non-believer. Basically. And that's what I was telling my atheist friend and he wouldn't get it. Like he was like, no, no, you're just, uh, you're being hateful towards atheists. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, you're being hateful towards Christians. And he's like, yeah, because they're wrong. And I'm like, how do you know they're wrong? 
I'm have not, you met God? You're not being hateful towards atheists. You are being critical of hateful atheists. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself that. I wouldn't call myself even agnostic. I mean, I don't like these terms. I don't no. like terminology. So I don't even use them anymore. Yeah. That's why I just like when I talked to you, spoke about it earlier, I just spoke to you in regular terms. Yeah. So I try not to label it because yeah. labels create tribes and Rogan talks about the whole tribe issue all the time. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into yeah. that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be you and have your own unique perspective because that's essentially what everything is. Yeah. It's like people force themselves to be on the left or on the right or here and there. And it's like everyone is kind of a little bit of everything and just be honest with yourself about what you believe. I don't drink soda. Pepsi or Coke? No, I don't drink soda. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do. I drink root beer, actually. Do you drink LaCroix? 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 I actually tried that for the first time like a year ago, and it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like, but I don't get the hype. Like, I don't get why people, someone posted the other day that they took a LaCroix to like in and out with them, and they were like, oh my God, I'm so cool. I'm like, what the hell? Like, it's just a soda. It's just a fucking soda. <laughs> like, relax. Like, what the hell? It's silly. Life, life is silly. It's become such a, I don't know. It's become, we've become sort of bring it back around, like because of technology and social interaction, like there's a lot of positives to it. But one of the biggest negatives that I see is that we are becoming copies of each other more and more rather than expressing our authenticity more and more. Like that's what it was in the beginning. Like Instagram was great because I'd follow like somebody from Japan and somebody from New York and the photographer, they were all photographers mostly and they were just posting their work, you know? And they were like, Oh my God, like you have a cool life like this. That, this is pretty cool. And then these people came out of nowhere and they were like, Oh, I'm shopping on Rodeo drive today. And like, like I'm just saying like fashion bloggers, you know, it's like, okay, all right, I guess fashion bloggers are okay on here. And then it got to this level where everybody's trying to become a fashion blogger. So it's like these levels happened that I noticed because yeah. I've been on Instagram for since college. So like eight, nine years now or yeah, something like that. Successful people cause that like a successful blogger all of a sudden yeah. spawns a yeah. bunch of people trying to be successful yeah. bloggers. Like yeah. what Rogan's doing to podcasting. Yeah. You know, which is, it's good that people are trying, but it's also kind of, it creates a lot of, yeah. not to say junk, but it creates a lot of inexperienced content. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, technically, this is an experience content, but yeah. it's you know I'm I'm aware of it. No, I'm I'm not talking about that though. I'm just talking about like inexperience is fine, like as long as your heart's in the right place. Right. So what do you mean? But what I mean is like copies. Oh, what I mean is like people lack copying of auth- each lack, lack of authenticity. Got you know it. what I mean? Word, like word. what you're doing is great because you're doing it because I um, like it. I like talking you like to you. It. You seem like an interesting person, yeah. so I want to talk to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. You're you have a like a sort of um, you, you have a, not a goal, but, um, not, 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 I'm not talking about expectations. Like, it's like you have, um, a voice rather than, I mean, it's like pop music, right? Like you yeah. turn on the radio and everybody sounds the same, same shit, you yeah, know? And yeah. it's like, it's just noise. And sure. Some of those people get really famous and really rich off of it. Yeah. Same thing happens on, same thing is happening on Instagram this day. Yeah. Like people are rich and famous on just because of their Instagram, just because of their ass. But <laughs> at the end of the day, that's not why we got into this business. Yeah. It's like, I got into this business to yes, be, be well off or do well, but do well doing something that you would genuinely authentically love. Exactly. Like I said, that's yeah. what I'm trying to do yeah. too. And I think that's a good place to end. Yeah. Be authentic, be yourself, be good. Avo. Yeah. Thanks for doing this with me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Do you have like a tagline at the end? Not really. 
I'll just I'll just cut something in. Apricot right, jams. Apricot jams right about. <laughs>